1: All right, Ben Gessling is with us. He's uh, been at the NFL Combine. Everything's a letdown after you get Coach Zim's press conference, uh,
2: Ben. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, the, the The coach uh, <laughs> press conference and the side session were both outstanding. I mean, it, you know, when he's talking about, uh, if we don't get this right, I'm going to get fired, and, and then he uh, called Sam Bradford's knee degenerative when he met with the with the <laughs> local writers, and said he doesn't know what Case Keenum is, like, okay, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that uh, Zim has much of a poker face, and uh, <laughs> when he's in the mood to be divulgatory, it is very, uh, you learn a lot, and it's, it's entertaining.
1: Yeah, and I, I was saying earlier today, I was poor, if Spielman gets up there... And avoid saying anything. Yes. And then, you know, the next day his coach comes in and starts throwing atom bombs out there. It's uh, terrific. I loved it.
2: Yeah, he's, he's carefully dancing around all the obstacles. And Zimmer says, forget it. I'm just going to bulldoze right through all of them.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, what, uh, so I was reading something today that Denver may not be nearly as interested in uh, Kirk Cousins as people think they are. It could be the Jets and the Vikings.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, the, I think the the name of the game always here is, you know, agents trying to build their case for their client, which is, is their job, and, and you know, all of the things kind of get rolling from there, but you know, I know that in talking to some people today, the Vikings are sitting there saying, you know, all of these these figures and all of the, the frantic interest that's getting thrown out there uh, is, uh, is getting driven up and, and probably overstated, so I, I think they're going to be very much in the midst of the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes, you know, I, I think, you know the, the Jets certainly, I, I think the Broncos are going to be interested to, to, to what degree you know, things will become clearer about that in the next you know, days and weeks but you know, I think the thing the Vikings are trying to figure out as Mike Zimmer talked about yesterday is what's the price because you get to a point where when you pay a quarterback what they're talking about having to pay some of these guys, it makes it tough to keep the whole team together and the number of guys they have coming up for free agency, Mike Zimmer I think is trying to send the message probably in part to Rick Spielman saying don't sacrifice this team, and specifically don't break up my defense uh, just to get a quarterback, especially when they went 13-3 and three with a guy that he says he's not sure about. And they, <laughs> yeah. they have a team to win, and uh, maybe you don't need a quarterback to make $30 million a year to put you over the top.
1: Did you have the impression at any point this season that Zimmer actually believed in Case
2: Keenum? He did not do a great job of selling that case. Pardon the pun, if he was, uh, if he believed it, because I mean, you have a few things there, right? I mean, so in Chicago, that game in in October, if they are, if they believe that strongly that Case Keenum can win, and this is at a point where Keenum had already won them a game, he, he played great, he was had been the NFC Player of the Week already once, and they go out there and put Sam Bradford out there when it was pretty obvious Sam Bradford wasn't ready to play, but they either wanted to see what Bradford had or believed that Bradford, in whatever state he was in, still gave them a better chance to win. So it's hard to to believe that he was sold on Keenum at that point. You know, the, the way they handled things with Bridgewater, it seemed like he wanted to get Bridgewater on the field, and then Keenum kept winning, and, and they couldn't really pull him at that point. But he also said something late in the season. He got asked, when did you finally... Start to believe in Case Keenum, and he said, oh, you know, four or five weeks ago, and that was at the point where Keenum had been starting for something like 10 already. So <laughs> he, he did not really ever go out and try to make it feel like this is my guy. I don't know that they believe that, but, you know, Zimmer is honest, and, and we like that about him when he's in the mood to, to talk, and he's not always in that mood, but when you are trying to uh, ingratiate yourself with, with players that you may be trying to sign, it's not probably the best bargaining position to come out there and say, ah, we're not really that sure if that good. Do you want to come back and play here? I mean, you know, yeah. that, that doesn't necessarily set you up in the best negotiating stance.
1: Hey, Ben, I'm sure I asked you this before, but do you think the wretchedness of last year's of the 2016 offensive line caused us to overstate the uh, strength of the 2017 offensive line because uh, down the stretch uh, they did not look that good?
2: I think that's probably a pretty good read on it. I mean, I, you know, everybody talked about how much better the offensive line was, and, and that, it was true, but when you're coming from 32nd, a, a jump to, you know, 15 spots up is still going to put you in the bottom half of the league. So, you know, I, I think that's probably around where they were. It was average, maybe a little bit below average, but it wasn't atrocious anymore. It wasn't keeping them from winning games, and it tells you how strong the rest of that roster is when you still don't have to have to have a great line to win. But yeah, I I think that's true. And I I think they are still, you know, in talking to people this week, I think they are still looking to make changes and tweaks to that group. You know, I think the, the, where we saw Mike Remmers towards the end of the season at guard, that sounds like it may be where they go in the future, which tells you they are not sold on him as a tackle, you know, both as a, certainly as a pass protector, I think that's an issue. So they are still looking to add to that group. I think they'll probably add to it in the draft, and and I wouldn't be shocked if they go pursue a tackle in free agency. But yeah, I mean the fact that they got better certainly was a big part of why their offense was better. But there's still a lot of room for that group to improve.
1: And uh, Rashad Hill got a couple of reviews for a couple of decent weeks, and then he kind of got exposed there a little bit. So
2: yes, that is yeah. Certainly at the end of the season, people were able to get the better of him. And, you know, I, I think in the in the playoffs, certainly that was the case. So I, I don't know that they look at him and say. You know, this is our guy at right tackle. Probably a guy you have on the roster, but I don't know that that's a guy you plan around either. What
1: uh, the uh, any rumors floating around in Indianapolis on what uh, the Eagles are going to do with Nick Foles? I mean, uh, I I would think there's you know a market for him if you don't want to spend eighteen million for sixteen million for Case Keenum or somebody like that on the free agent market.
2: Yeah, I think there certainly is. I mean, and you hear the, you know the talk about they would they would listen, but you know, they're certainly going to ask for a premium because you sit there with him if you're if you're making the case if you're Howie Roseman and you tell people, look, this guy just won a Super Bowl MVP. You don't have to pay a ton for him; he's already under contract. Do you want to do that, or do you want to go out and pay for the guy that he beat in the NFC title game, who's now going to come in and get fifteen million dollars a year? I mean, they, the thing for the Vikings, of course, would be if you have to give up a high draft pick in a year where you already owe the Eagles a pick and, and you have a trade that didn't turn out probably as, as well as the Vikings would have liked it. I mean, do you want to go back to that? Well, again, when you're in a desperate quarterback situation and, and make another trade with the Eagles who you're trying to catch in the NFC. I mean, you know, there, those things would, would have to be considered, but they have certainly in John D. Filippo. Now they have a coordinator that knows Nick Foles strengths and, and knows how to win with him. So I think that is a scenario they have to consider. I think the other one that they could even think about is, you know, in talking to people this week and hearing a little bit of what Rick Spielman had to say, I don't know that it's completely out of the question that if there's a guy that like in the draft, if there's a guy that slips to the back of the first round that you say, okay, we're going to take somebody try to develop him. Maybe you get a starter for a year to help you kind of bridge that gap. But I don't, know that that is out of the question either i i really think a lot of these options are on the table and and there's not necessarily a right one which makes it harder and you know it gives you options but it makes it harder to find the right one
1: hey ben uh did you go back and check your notes to see if uh spielman said exactly the same thing about laquan treadwell a year ago or did he <laughs> change a couple of words there
2: I think a couple of words probably were changed. Uh, you know, I remember Pat Shermer uh, probably around this time last year they had their their Winterfest event in Fire Lake, and and he was talking about it being uh, I think a critical off season for the Quan Treadwell, and and we heard a lot of those you know he, it's he's facing a, a chance to make a big jump or you know something to that effect. And it was interesting yesterday to hear Mike Zimmer say he's got to get out of his own way. I mean you know a, a guy that I think they are probably starting to run out of patience with a little bit i mean rick talked about oh it's a long development curve for receivers that hasn't really been yes. true i mean guys like odell beckham produced in year one uh, mike evans i mean you've had a lot of these receivers amari cooper that come in and excel right away so you know that is a little bit of a a uh a straw man argument i think but uh you know i th- this really i think is the year where if it doesn't work out i think you say okay it's not going to happen, and, and you pull the plug. They they need more depth at that position, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think that the, the the case that they were trying to make. But I'll just give it time. I, I don't know if that was uh, terribly convincing yesterday.
1: What is supposed to be uh, a loaded position going into this year's draft? What's the sure. word down there? Well, any, I you know I think any the, particular place? Or?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think people feel like it's a deep draft overall. I mean, I, I think uh, you know, the. The, the, I mean, certainly the quarterback group is probably the best we've seen in a number of years. Where you, I mean, you've got a couple of guys at the top of the draft, and even probably later into the first round, and guys like Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State, and yeah. you know the, the quarterback from Louisville, people are intrigued by, and you know the, there's there's enough different flavors. I think that that is going to you know probably shape a lot of the top of the draft, and you know I, I think people feel like you know the linebackers. I think there's supposed to be some some depth there as well, so. Um, you know, it's one of those drafts. I think that, be, you know, we get kind of to this point now where there's so many underclassmen coming into the draft because the name of the game is to to get to that second contract while you still are are young enough to get there. These drafts I, tend to have a lot of depth. It's, it tends to be a question of of how good the, the the talent is at the top of it, and and that's really this year where I think the quarterbacks probably make it a. a, a better draft at the top than it's been in a while simply because you have those guys and then those teams that aren't looking for quarterbacks have more guys to pick from just because there are going to be so many teams trying to move up and get quarterbacks and if you're not one of those teams that puts you in a good situation as well to trade back or or get somebody else that may not normally be there.
1: Hey Ben, thanks for your time sir. Sounds good, thanks Pat. All right, uh, Ben Gessling uh, covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune. It was at the Combine in Indianapolis. We shall return... You're along for the ride
0: with Roycey. Yeah, Mr. Charm. Yeah, no, well, I wouldn't go that. <laughs> On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of the ride with Roycey today is brought to you by MetaFast Weight Control Centers.
2: And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day.
1: On March 2nd, 1962, Philadelphia Warriors, yes, before they were still Philadelphia Warriors before they moved to Golden State, and the 76ers replaced them in Philadelphia. Philadelphia Warriors center Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points against the New York Nets. It was the first time that a professional basketball player had scored 100 points. Uh, The previous record, 78, also had been set by Wilt earlier in the season. During the game... Wilt uh, has made 36 field goals and 28 foul shots, which is amazing because he was a terrible free-throw shooter. Uh, Wilt was born on August 21, 1936 in Philadelphia. Went to Overbrook High School in Philadelphia. He grew to 7 feet 1 inches tall and was an amazing athlete for his size. He competed. He went to Kansas. He competed in the high jump and the long jump in college. But he got a hundred points. And Manny Hill, you don't uh, talk sports; you learn sports here. You know where this game was played?
3: Hello. Um, it was not played in. How? Uh, because the. The Warriors yes. were at home, right? It was a home Warriors game for the Warriors, had a home right? Game,
1: but they but were it playing, wasn't in
3: Philadelphia though. They were right?
1: playing a few home games in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, okay. the state capital, out in the middle of the state. Because I think uh, I remember
3: reading about it, yes. not actually being in Philadelphia, but it was a home game for the Warriors.
0: Yes. Uh, so will we'll, isn't there another piece of history? Wasn't Dennis Green? Didn't he claim to be at that game? Did he? I, I can't remember, can't remember Danny telling like, because isn't he from I, I, Harrisburg?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, Maybe I remember him telling game. the story that he was at that game oh, as a kid. I would believe Denny. I never knew Denny to yeah. fib, fib about anything. Why not? Well, yeah. And unfortunately, in all my uh, personal sit-downs with Denny, sure. he never told me that story. But uh, <laughs> Wilt uh, was it was an amazing guy. And I told you where I saw him the first time, the Worthington High School gym in Minnesota. Come on. In, he was playing for the Harlem Globetrotters because he left Kansas a year early. After, uh, he left after his junior year, and the NBA wouldn't let him come into the league right away. So uh, he had to be his graduating class, so he spent a year playing for the Globetrotters. And the Globetrotters, of course, were huge back then, and they would stop all over the country. And the Worthington gym might have held... Eighteen hundred people or something like that, and they'd stop in and fill it up and uh and i uh, i was I was there and of course, the joke was that here you have you know you had your dunker with the globe trotters and you had your shooter with the globe trotters and you had your dribbler with the globe trotters. And then you, you know, and then of course we all went there expecting to see Wilt dunk seven, eight times. He shot their jump shots. He was making their jump shots at seven foot one. He was just an incredible athlete And uh, unfortunately for him, they kept running into the Boston Celtics and uh, Bill Russell uh, won those 10 championships. And then, of course, the Russell believers always would try to tell you that uh, Russell was a better player because he won the titles. I think Wilt is the greatest, uh, you know, for his generation, the greatest player in NBA history just because he was such a magnificent athlete at such a magnificent size.
3: And you know what, Pat? For all the complaining that people do about minutes now in the NBA, yes. Wilt played all 48, 48 minutes, minutes in that yes, game. yes he did. I've already <laughs>
1: tweeted that out today. In fact, not only did Wilt play 48 minutes, but Guy Rogers, their star guard, yeah, who I'm had 20 assists, he played all 48 minutes. And you know what happened? What? Many Warriors fans got on Twitter to complain. <laughs> that, uh, they, were, they were getting too many minutes. But uh, Will Chamberlain, on this day, and you know, the coach that year and his only year in the NBA was Frank McGuire. Frank McGuire I, yeah. I did not realize that. And he'd been at North Carolina and then he'd been at South Carolina. But uh, he might have went back to South Carolina after he coached the one year when the, with, in the NBA. So people but, were
3: getting on social media and ripping Frank McGuire for yes, playing right. Will Chamberlain then, too he, many minutes.
1: Yes, yes, yes. How could you? We had the game comfortably in hand. Why <laughs> did we not take Le- Wilt out? We didn't. He didn't need to score a hundred points. Let's take him out of the. Let's <laughs> let's uh, let's get him out of the game. All
0: uh, right. I was able to dig through the archives, boys, and I found former Viking coach Dennis Green talking about being in attendance for that game.
1: I don't think we've turned the corner. I think there's two turns we use. We're digging our way out. We're 6-4. We are in the playoff hunt. I don't know how many teams have winning records right now, but we're one of them. And we're chopping our way out also. So we're digging our way out of the forest and chopping our way uh, with the trees, and we've got a long way to go.
0: (laughs) You know what? You want a time machine so you can go back, don't you?
1: We thought. We thought we had him on the run. No, no, no. He had us. On he the had run. you on the he run. He had us on the run. We thought, we thought, we were running around the house. You know? He had us running around the house. He ran the house. I tried to tell some of my buddies that, you know, as as it went on and the 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 comments became more and more absurd and outrageous. That Denny. Had us, we didn't have Denny. No. But uh, it, I told you the one game. Anyway, Wilt, my guy Wilt. There we go. Final thought on Wilt. Uh, he was, uh, yeah, yeah, as I said, he he wanted to become a decathloner, you know. he was When he was done playing, he was going to be a decathloner. But Manny, somebody did point this out. Because of all those minutes, Wilt was only able to play 24 years in the NBA, you know.
3: Was well, twenty? I think it was. I think it was fourteen. He played.
1: Oh, only fourteen. Well, yeah, fifty nine to
3: seventy three. He was in the league. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. See, warm out. Couldn't have, uh, couldn't have possibly. Is that him.
0: what wore him out, or was it
3: other stuff <laughs> well, that wore him out? But, but he. <laughs> what did
1: he b- say? I thought he said ten thousand women. But then oh, I it's read been something. more than that. Then was, I read something. I think it's
3: twenty thousand. Twenty thousand women. Twenty thousand women. <laughs> you know, he and he and <laughs> MJ. Don't want,
1: oh my God! <laughs> I bet he got some invites. Yeah, I don't think he was hurt.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was hurt. An- another fun fact about Wilt: he and Michael Jordan are the only two players to average thirty points a game for their career.
1: Well you know what he averaged in this year 1961 50, 52, 50. wow 50 and then everybody <laughs> and then everybody got on him cuz he shot so much and he averaged 50 and i think it was the next year he led the nba in assists cuz he started passing mm-hmm. but he used to be a uh, a comedy act shooting free throws one year he shot him left-handed uh you know they'd stand further behind the line then he shot him underhanded, Rick Berry style, one time. But he, uh, the, the, the free throws were always a chance, and that was another reason people badmouthed Wilt because uh, you know, he couldn't make his free throws.
0: All right, I found it right here, Patrick, uh, on Dennis Green's Wikipedia page. Green grew yes. up in a working-class household in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. His father was a postal worker and his mother a beautician. His father died when Green was 11 and his mother passed away when he was 13. Green has said that he was in attendance at the March second, nineteen 1962 NBA game in Hershey, Pennsylvania, <laughs> where Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points.
1: I believe you, did. I do,
0: too. I absolutely do. you were
1: smarter than we were. <laughs> I told you one day we're in Detroit and he comes in and he gives us the biggest line of BS you ever heard in your life. And and the like the security guy that traveled with him said to him, That was great, coach. He said, Yeah, if I ever stop messing with him, let me know. No, you. come on. Yeah. Oh. I overheard it. I overheard it. That's yeah. fantastic. I overheard it. And I said, I thought so. I so, thought so. So
3: do we do we think the Calcutta Clipper thing do we think that was Danny no, kind of messing I, with no, people or was he being legit he there? That I think he screwed
1: that one. I think he screwed that
3: one. Okay.
0: But so but you know what he did? He stole Dark Star's bit. Who cares if it's true? It's good <laughs> yeah. entertainment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, he was uh, you know, he uh Danny uh you know, Denny had a pretty good run as a coach. Oh, he was there. a yeah, absolutely He did well. Miss, missed the playoffs twice, right? The second time he got fired.
0: One thirteen and ninety four overall was his win loss record. I'm looking at it right here, but yeah, here he he had a great record for the
3: Vikings. Sixty two with the Vikings. With the Vikings. Probably Ooh. too yeah.
1: probably too late for Denny and I to make peace.
0: Though. I think so. Yeah.
1: Mm, well, I don't think I was in his top two as far as uh, guys he disliked, but I might have been. I don't know. All right. Hey, uh, gents, uh, I'll talk to you Monday and tomorrow. The Zulgad and Collar version of Saturday Morning Sports Talk with Joey D running the operation smooth sailing.